The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? I thought it was so rare to the point that it just couldn't possibly happen to me because, you know, my the, there just wasn't that family history there. And in my head, I'd always assumed if it was going to happen to me, it would either be after the age of, I don't know, 45 or possibly a little bit earlier if I had the gene. But obviously that isn't the case. And when I was diagnosed and I reached out to these different support groups on Instagram, um, I just realized how much more common it is for for women my age to to get it as well. And I I just guess I didn't realize because I'd spent life with my fingers in my ears. And then when I finally was forced to take them out and listen and look into it, I realized that actually it is more common than we think. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Celan Essendagley. Celan is actually an RFR community member. And I remember a couple of months ago, I posted on social media and I said, how is everyone doing? And Celan sent a comment that said, well, I am in my early 20s and I just got diagnosed with breast cancer. And I remember responding and saying a prayer for her. And then fast forward to a couple of weeks ago when I did another post asking people how they were doing. And she replied that she's doing better and that she um, has gone through her chemo and you know, just gave me a little bit of an update. And in that moment, I just felt like we should have Celan on the podcast because her story, your guys' stories, our community's stories are important. And as you know, recovering from reality isn't just about recovering from addiction or mental health issues, although the vast majority of us have those things. It's about recovering from life. It's about recovering from your reality. I think, and I know this to be true for me, when we even hear the word cancer, sometimes we can get turned off. Sometimes we don't want to listen to the things that scare us. And I think what's so interesting about Celan's story is that She spent years and years with health anxiety and I think that we all have a little bit of that. And then she was eventually diagnosed with cancer and she found out that she's so much stronger than she ever knew. And that's always the case for each and every one of us, no matter what we're going through. So in this week's episode with Celan, we are talking about navigating health anxiety before and after a diagnosis. We're talking about the prevalence of breast cancer 
and we're talking about how Salen shifted her mindset from avoidance to facing her recovery head on, moving on and coping with life after a dramatic life change or trauma, and sitting in the discomfort of waiting for treatment results. So I'm going to keep this one short and sweet, but we should take a collective moment if you'll join me and send good positive thoughts to Celine because I really do believe that collectively sending positive energy to someone really does make a difference. So if you'll join me in just holding space for her on her journey, I would really appreciate it. And then with that, we will get into this week's episode. All right, sending so much love to you all. Thanks for joining me in that. And with that, here is Celine's episode. You've commented a couple of times on my Mm -hmm. page and I had this light bulb moment that when we are talking about recovery and healing, you know, that definitely needs to include disease and what it's like to overcome Mm -hmm illness, you know, we've covered loss of loved ones on the podcast. We've covered a lot of addiction, a lot of mental health issues, a lot of racial issues, but I think that this is really important. So thank you for sitting down with me today. I think this will be a really great episode. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for uh, asking me. I was really excited actually when I read your message. Obviously I'm a fan of the podcast, so it's uh, great to be able to be on it. Yeah. So why don't we go to the beginning? So when, Mm -hmm. when were you diagnosed with breast cancer and at what age? July 2nd, 2020, um, at 23 years old. Um, was the day that I went to get my lump checked and they had the ability in the clinic I was in to get results same day. So I waited around in the hospital for, I think, probably five or six hours. Yeah. Um, and then we found out that it was, it was a cancerous lump. And how were you doing like checks at home or how, how did you discover the lump in your mm-hmm. breast? So I had found it by accident. I've, um, seems ironic now, but always been a bit of a hypochondriac. I've always had health anxiety my whole life, kind of always been scared, I guess, about this happening to me. Um, and so I would just put my fingers in my ears. I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to, you know, listen to anything to do with cancer, especially breast cancer. Nurses would try to give me leaflets about checking myself, and I'd tell them, you know, that it triggers me, and I'd rather not look at it, and all of this. Um, but it was about 3 a.m. I woke up in bed, and I had an itch in my under boob area, and I went to scratch it, and I felt it, and I just mm. there was something different about this lump than other lumps I've had in the past because we all get lumps and bumps, and you know, they're often nothing to worry about but there was just something about this one it was smaller and just more defined that worried me 
This episode is sponsored by Nourish by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish offers a monthly subscription service that is both convenient and customizable to make sure you're getting the proper vitamin intake. Backed by 45 years of science, Nourish removes the guesswork from you trying to figure out what supplements are right for you. Nourish packages are personalized and delivered right to your door. Their convenient subscription service can be adjusted, paused, or canceled at any time. Packs are customized to your needs and are affordable. On average, it costs less than $2 a day to get your Nourish vitamin intake. Visit Nourish.com and take a five-minute assessment to receive a supplement recommendation tailored specifically for you. Hi guys, my name is Sarah Nicole and I am the host of the Papaya Podcast, where each week we dish out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom all through candid conversations in a very real and tangible way. I want everyone to know that they're not alone and that we share in these experiences called life. And sometimes when we get to know somebody else's story, it changes ours a little bit as well. So I want you to tune in with us on Mondays, subscribe, rate and review it and keep these conversations going with us. You can tune in behind the scenes at the Papaya Podcast and the birds with Paya on Instagram as well. Can't wait to see you next week. Do you have a history of breast cancer in your family at all? A little bit, but not enough for me to have been concerned enough about my own genetic risk. Um, there's a little bit on my dad's side, um, but it's quite removed. And then on my mom's side, my great aunt had it at 30 but they, they did the genetic test and I'm not a carrier for any of the genes. Um, so it's, it's a mixture of bad luck and obviously still a little bit of a family history there, but no, not something that was ever properly on my radar. Yeah. And I think Mm -hmm. it's interesting because, um, you're not the first case that I've heard of young Mm -hmm people who are getting diagnosed with breast cancer. So yes, so in the US, it's about one in eight women will Mm -hmm. experience and and have the diagnosis of having breast cancer Mm -hmm. in the US. And I don't know what it's like in the UK, but in my mom's group on Facebook, um, where we are obviously young mothers, I have heard of several women getting a diagnosis under the age of 35. Are you familiar with, you know, how rare this is or if this is becoming more popular? I'm not, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know statistics necessarily off the top of my head. I know that breast cancer is, you know, unfortunately one of the more common cancers, especially in women. That's why they do, you know, routine mammograms for older women. I thought that it was really rare, which, you know, I'm not going to pretend that the it's super common. I don't want to go around scaring everybody, but, um, I thought it was so rare to the point that it just couldn't possibly happen to me because, you know, my, there just wasn't that family history there. And in my head, I'd always assumed if it was going to happen to me, it would either be after the age of, I don't know, 45 or possibly a little bit earlier if I had the gene, but obviously that isn't the case. And when I was diagnosed and I reached out to these different support groups on Instagram, I just realized how much more common it is for, for women my age to, to get it as well. And I, I just, I guess I didn't realize because I'd spent life with my fingers in my ears. And then when I finally was forced to take them out and listen and 
look into it, I realized that actually it's, it is more common than we think. Yeah. And I actually really relate to that health anxiety. I, I had a lot of trauma growing up and I had a lot of people who ignored that. And I would say that that definitely made me have pretty severe health anxiety Mm -hmm. um, that I still deal with today. And, you know, I think that then when something actually comes to fruition for me, it was blood clots in my lung where I almost died. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of like, oh, I've, I had so many mixed feelings about it and I'm sure you probably did too. And I'd love to hear those. Cause it's kind of like, God, I spent all those years worrying when I didn't have to worry. And also like, Oh, here we go. Like I should have been worrying this whole time. And now forever moving forward, I'm always worried, like, am I going to have another blood clot? So I would first ask you, like, where do you think that health anxiety came from? And how is it playing out right now? I found a a lump in my breast when I was 11, but it was very big and inflamed. And obviously it wasn't breast cancer, but even at the age of 11, I found it and freaked out. I was convinced that, you know, I was going to be the first 11-year-old to be diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, so, as yeah, as young, as young as 11, 12, it was in the back of my mind. Um, my dad had always had health problems. Um, he passed away about three years ago now from heart issues. He had heart disease um, and he died during an operation that was quite a risky operation. But that was always a worry for me as well. So I grew up with that in the back of my mind too, just always worried that I was going to grow up and have those same issues. Um, So it's always been lingering, lingering around. Um, And then when I actually got diagnosed, I mean, at first I was devastated, obviously. I just, I broke down. You know, I was shaking from shock. They had to get the support nurses in. And then suddenly the next day, I just, I don't know if I'd cried myself out or if I was still in a state of shock, but I was almost in a place where I was numb to it and ready to, to get on with things. It was like I'd spent however many years mentally running away from becoming ill. And now that it's happened, I don't have to run away from it anymore. I can just deal with it, which is... you know, what I, what I had to do. There's, there's nothing you can do other than deal with it when it happens. So like you said, it was mixed feelings. It was like, okay, so this thing I've been terrified of has actually happened, but now in a strange way, I don't have to be terrified of it happening anymore. Yeah. Do you think that, um, and, and maybe not because you're in the throes of it right now, Mm -hmm. but I, I think when I walked Mm -hmm. away from my blood clot, I walked away a lot stronger and I walked away recognizing that, okay, so this has happened and we know what this actually looks like. And I also know that, you know, there was almost like a bit of peace to it. Like there was a little bit of resiliency that I gained from the whole experience and, you know, I know right now you're in, in the throes of treatment and I'd love to discuss what that's looking like mm-hmm. and how you're coping with that mentally and emotionally. But there was definitely that piece of, of that for me too in the healing of like, mm-hmm. we did this, we made it, mm-hmm. you know, we made it and we're, we're here, we're, 
we're doing this step by step. I mean, when you have a blood clot, it doesn't just go away. It's, you know, months and months and months of treatment too. And it was just kind of like every day that I made it through, I was like, oh, okay. You know, like I felt a little bit stronger. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that as human beings, we are so much more resilient than we actually give ourselves credit for or that we're actually aware of. Um, And sometimes that resiliency doesn't show up until we're really, you know, forced to face something head on, not just with, you know, my breast cancer, but, you know, for example, my dad passing away, he was ill for a good few years. And it was something that I was always so stressed and anxious and sad about. And then he passed away. And obviously, you know, I was devastated, but the world didn't stop turning the way that I always thought it would have. Um, And the same thing happened for me with breast cancer. I assumed that if that ever happened, you know, that's, that's it. That's the absolute worst case scenario. But you wake up the next day and you get on with it and you do what you need to do and you, you just find a way to cope. And sometimes you just, you don't know that you have that ability until you need to find it. This episode of the Recovering from Reality podcast is sponsored by Himalaya Ashwagandha. Stress, anxiety, worry, and pressure at home, at work, kids, there is so much that causes stress and anxiety these days. And we're all looking for that natural way to take the edge off and protect our bodies and mind against that stress. That's where Himalaya Ashwagandha helps me to navigate through my daily stress and anxiety. Now, what is ashwagandha? The simple answer is ashwagandha is an herb. In ancient times, ashwagandha was considered the king of Ayurvedic herbs, and it was used for a wide variety of conditions. In functional medicine today, we harness the power of ashwagandha primarily to protect our bodies and help them adapt to stress of a modern day life so we can feel calm and balanced. It was actually several years ago before I even had Harper that my regular MD recommended ashwagandha to me and I have been hooked ever since. But here's why I love Himalayas. Himalayas ashwagandha is organic, non-GMO, and contains no binders or fillers and is clinically studied for safety and efficacy. Stress less and find calm with Himalaya ashwagandha. The best part is that you get 20% off your purchase on Amazon with discount code REALITY20. Check out the show notes for more details on this episode's sponsorship with Himalaya. Again, that's Himalaya Ashwagandha on Amazon, and you can use discount code REALITY20 for 20% off your order. So once you were diagnosed, you said you were kind of in shock and then you, you know, felt, I'm sure, an array of emotions. What were those first few days like and what have you been doing to cope? Mm -hmm. The first few days were filled with quite a lot of uncertainty. You know, I know that my mum struggled a lot as well in the early days before we really knew anything Um, because the thing with breast cancer is there's a lot of different types um, and obviously there are different stages. We don't really use the term stages in the UK anymore, but, you know, there, there are different stages to breast cancer. And so 
the first few days, the first couple of weeks was a lot of waiting around to get test results back to see what kind of breast cancer it was, if it was going to be, you know, really receptive to treatment or if it looked like it was going to be a bit harder to treat. And those were probably the hardest days. I think things slowly got a bit easier. I don't really like to use the word lucky, but I guess I was essentially lucky and that my breast cancer was one of the more treatable ones. It's um, very receptive to treatment because it's a hormonal cancer. So once we found that out and kind of started talking to the oncologist and mapping out a plan, I think it became easier to cope because you felt a little bit more proactive. That wore off a little bit for me once I actually started chemo. I didn't really know what chemo was or what to expect, but it's a lot of sitting around in a chair with, you know, hooked up to an IV for seven hours at a time. Sometimes I'd be in the hospital. And I think that was when things started to get a little bit harder for me mentally because I wasn't feeling so proactive anymore. I was kind of sitting around, hoping, waiting to see if, you know, all of this stuff I'm doing is going to be worth it. I saw a hospital psychologist, um, which really helped. And I found a massive support system on Instagram, which I'm so grateful for. There were a lot of reasons that I personally didn't want to do face-to-face groups, um, pandemic aside, you know, group settings and support groups just went for me. So I was, I was really excited actually when I realized that there's this whole community out there with just readily available support. And the great thing about social media is you can remove yourself from it when you need a break because everyone gets overwhelmed. And as passionate as I am about spreading awareness um, you know of cancer and young people and engaging with that community sometimes I need a break and I need to just not think about the fact that I'm you know dealing with an illness and so I'll just remove myself from social media for a few days so I I you know I get to pick and choose when to engage with it. Hmm. Yeah what's it like having cancer in a pandemic? Like having cancer is hard. Having a disease that puts you high risk is hard. And when you said pandemic, I was like, oh yeah, right. We're in the middle of a pandemic right now. And I know that much of the UK is everything is shutting back down. And I'm sure that makes it just exponentially more difficult to see people and to have community when you're in the midst of treatment in a pandemic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's it's been strange. So I am lucky in that I joined the company that I work for at the moment in January or February, I think. Um, and I didn't qualify for health insurance until four weeks before I found the lump. Oh my gosh. Um, so I signed up to health insurance found my lump and then was lucky enough to be able to go through everything privately. We have the NHS in England, which is um, free public health care, which is just fantastic. But they are completely overwhelmed with the pandemic and the amount of people that are in the hospitals and surgeries are getting cancelled. People are waiting, you know, four or five hours for their chemotherapy treatment. So, some, you know, something that I'm really grateful for is being able to have access to that private health care. But there are still things like I can't have anyone with me in the hospital ever. So, you know, I was I was diagnosed and my mum came to pick me up from the hospital. But from there on out, it was pretty much on my own, which can be tough, especially I think for my mum as well, who 
probably really wanted to be there at those those things with me and public transport I have to get public transport there and back which is really nerve-wracking I have a little badge that says high risk on it just so that people will give me a bit of extra space it's that constant worry that if I do catch it um, you know, how is my immune system going to respond? And then is it going to interfere with my treatment? Because I can't go into hospital if I test positive for COVID. So that's potentially two, three weeks of chemotherapy or radiation or my surgery that I can't receive. So it's it's definitely added an extra kind of level of anxiety. At the same time, I get less FOMO because we're in lockdown. So while I've been sitting in chemo, at least I know that all my friends aren't out having a great time without me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. When you received your treatment plan, what did that look like? And like, what was, you know, is it chemo and radiation? Are you going to end up having to have a mastectomy? Like, or are you going to opt to? I know a lot of women in the US go ahead and preventatively just, do that. Um, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So the treatment plan that my oncologist laid out for me was, um, once a week for 12 weeks, I would receive, um, chemotherapy. He wanted to do a lighter form. He thought we could get away with doing a lighter form of chemo, which meant that I could be spared from some of the harshest side effects. Um, unfortunately that didn't really work out. I, um, was having a bit of an allergic reaction to the drug that he wanted me on. So he had to switch to a harsher drug. So even though I was only doing it once a week, because, you know, some people will do it for like five days in a row. Um, so even though I was doing it once a week, I still got hit pretty hard with side effects, um, and losing my hair and all of that. Um, my cancer is receptive to estrogen, progesterone, and a protein called HER2 which means that I was also eligible to be put on two antibody treatments that we have that are highly effective for breast cancer that's receptive to those hormones. So I put on those every three weeks and that will continue for a year, but that's not chemotherapy. So you don't get the same side effects. It's much more manageable. Um, I will need radiation therapy. I'll need four weeks of radiation. You go in five days a week for four weeks. Um, and that will be in January after my surgery, which is in a couple of weeks. The surgery um, is something that I struggled with mentally a lot coming to a decision. When I first was diagnosed, I think I just said, you know, I want them gone. I just, I wanted the double mastectomy. I wanted just, I wanted them off my body because I developed a lot of body dysmorphia as well after diagnosis. So as far as I was concerned, I just wanted them taken off of my body um, but as time went on and I was able to calm myself down a bit and talk to the geneticist about my risk of reoccurrence in the future, I realized that for now, I'm comfortable just getting the lumpectomy, which is where they remove any remaining tumor, um, which thankfully I don't have. The tumors are actually gone, um, but they will still remove some breast tissue where the tumor was and then do radiation on top of that as just some extra precaution. And then if I decide, let's say in a couple of years, that I really can't live with the anxiety, then I might opt for the mastectomy. But I want to give myself that chance to work through things myself and hopefully get to a place where I'm, I'm comfortable with the surgery that I've had. 
If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, but is afraid to seek treatment because they think that it is a controlling, punishing experience, then you need to learn about Aloe House Recovery Centers and why our approach is so different. And yes, I say our because Aloe House is my treatment center. All of the staff at Aloe House are trained in our compassionate care model, which is based off of our core philosophy that there is actually nothing wrong with addicted people, that they aren't broken or defective. We operate from the belief that we can transmute our personal pain and trauma into something so purposeful and into gifts that we are then able to offer the world. That through our experience, we can help others and make the world a better place, one with less suffering. At Aloe House, our goal is to empower our clients and to help them come in touch with who they really are and so they know their value. So many people that have gone through Aloe House have gone on to become healers themselves, whether it's working in treatment, becoming a therapist, or even opening their own sober living houses. Seeking addiction treatment does not have to be a shameful experience, and treatment doesn't have to be dull. Aloe House has incredible food. We offer horseback riding, yoga, meditation, surfing, and hiking. And the sense of community and belonging is key. As you guys know, it is here on RFR and it's the same vibe over at Aloe. This feeling of connection is where the healing occurs. Aloe House has locations in Malibu, West LA, and Silver Lake. We are insurance friendly as well. Please visit our website at aloerecovery.com to learn more. And please don't be afraid to pick up the phone and give us a call to talk to one of our friendly and knowledgeable admission staff for a free assessment to find out if this is the right fit for you. We are very happy and excited to announce that we are now an in-network contracted provider for Anthem Blue Cross at our West Los Angeles and Silver Lake locations. That means that we can accept almost anyone with a Blue Cross Blue Shield health insurance plan for all levels of care. Why wait another day with everything that's going on in the world? The absolute perfect time is now to heed to the call, take the leap and become who you were meant to be. Please visit us at allorecovery.com to learn more. It's as women, obviously this is not an easy decision. And mm-hmm. especially as a young woman, because it's like you haven't even had the opportunity to have children yet to, you know, mm-hmm. like to decide, am I going to nurse this child? Am I, you know, what am I going to do? And so I'm, I'm sure that that's just certainly not an easy choice to make. And I can understand the feelings of disassociation or dysmorphia of like, you know, these are now dangerous in, in a way and, you know, just wanting to give up. Yeah. The body dysmorphia is actually a lot more common than I realized. I thought it was something that was just very personal to me. You know, the night that I was diagnosed, there was just an instant switch there. I got home I didn't want to lay in bed in any way that would make me feel my breast. I showered in a sports bra for weeks because I just didn't want to see them while I was in the shower. It's got better, but still to this day, you know, I'm showering with a loofah because I don't want to feel anything with my hands. Um, Just it's the PTSD of finding the lump um, and just generally feeling like you, your body is being invaded. Um, but I put a post about it on Instagram and I got so many messages from women that said exactly the same thing, you know, Oh my God, I was showering in a bra and I thought that it was so weird. I didn't realize how common this is because we just don't really talk about a lot of the emotional side effects 
of cancer and chemotherapy. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it's such a, Mm -hmm. a whirlwind of, you know, of, of emotions and of feelings. And I'm sure it's very much so body centrics, not the right word, but where you're just like feeling like this is just not, this is not my body. This, this can't, Mm -hmm. you know, be happening to me. How far through your chemo treatment are you, are you now? So I finished my chemotherapy. I finished um, a few weeks ago and I'm feeling much better, still not hundred percent, but um, the second you finish chemotherapy, your energy starts coming back. So I've had a lot more energy, feeling a lot better. Um, Still got a lot of stomach issues, um, but my taste buds are coming back as well, which is exciting. You know, I had this big plan when I was diagnosed that I was going to get on this really healthy eating path. I've always been really interested in plant-based nutrition, you know, paleo, plant-based, and it just didn't happen. I lost all my taste buds. I lost all my appetite. The only thing I could stomach for weeks were crackers and and bread. So I'm looking forward to being able to eat some just more interesting food, yeah. um, more nutritious food and being able to taste. So I'm finished with chemotherapy. I have my surgery in a couple of weeks and then we're delaying radiation until after Christmas just to give me a little bit of a break. Yeah. <laughs> Which I yeah. think is, I mean, through the holidays too, it's, you know, it's, it's so mm-hmm. hard to be going through something, something like this. Um, mm-hmm. How's your mom doing? She's doing much better, much better now. I think when I was first diagnosed, what she struggled with the most was she felt like this wasn't the right order of things. This wasn't the order in which this was supposed to happen. Um, and I think she just desperately wanted to take it away from me. But she, she's done really well um, over the last couple of months kind of, I guess the same as me rather than running away from it in fear. She's faced it kind of head on. Um, I wasn't really in a position to be doing loads of research, you know, mentally. I just, I wasn't in the place to do it. So she's been reading all the books for me, doing all the online research, finding different things. And I think that's helped her a lot as well. Um, you know, knowledge is power and it just makes her, I think, just feel more in control. It helps me feel more in control like it's not something that we don't understand. So she's, she's doing much, much better now, especially as we're coming towards the end of treatment. And we know that the treatment's, you know, looking like it's been successful. Mm, That's so great. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I guess lastly, I would just ask, you know, like if you could tell our listeners or, you know, even if you could tell yourself, like, three of the biggest takeaways that you've had from this, from this experience, what would it be? Um, I mean, obviously this is, you know, the the obvious one is to check yourself regularly, no matter what age you are. I didn't check myself out of anxiety, but the irony is, is that finding breast cancer early makes it so much more treatable Um, And I found it early by accident. So if you're actively checking yourself, at least if you do find something, you know, you're going to find it early. 
and be able to to deal with it. For any listeners my age, you know, the early mid twenties, maybe, um, I would say fight to be heard. When I first walked in with my lump, um, you know, the consultant said, you're 23, what are you doing here? And he felt it. And I think because of my age, despite what he felt, he still said, oh, I don't think it's cancerous, but let's get you an ultrasound just in case. So please make sure you, you fight to be heard. And if you do end up in my position, know that you are allowed to make choices as well. You know, I faced a lot of problems with my age when I was trying to make decisions, for example, like the mastectomy. I was faced with a lot of, you're really young. I don't know if that's really the best option for you. But, you know, if you're dealing with breast cancer, then I think you're in the position to make decisions about your body. If you can deal with cancer, then you can deal with, you know, the other things that come with it. And I think, like I said earlier, just trust that you are so much more resilient than you probably even give yourself credit for. Um, Coming from a big ball of anxiety, um, I have done so much better than I ever imagined I would do in this situation. And I think that's the same for everybody. So just trust that if you need to find the strength for anything, that it's there. I love to hear you say that because, you know, it's as, as people who suffer from anxiety and, and health problems, recognizing our own inherent like strength and power is so amazing. And I am so grateful that your treatment is going well. I'm so grateful that, like you said, you're taking charge of your health you know, same here when I walked into, when I called my doctor about chest pain, he was like, it's just from breastfeeding. And when I went to the urgent care and I said, I don't feel like I can breathe. They're like, you're fine. You just had a baby. You're just, you know, you're, everything's okay. And then I said to my husband, I need to go to the ER. And even my husband was like, you don't need to go to the ER. You're fine. And had I gone a day later, I wouldn't have survived. And so I just, I too encourage people to listen to, to their inner guide and to their inner wisdom. When there is something wrong, there is something wrong and you fight. And it's sad that we have to, you know, I think a lot of women are often written off as being dramatic or, you know, being hypochondriacs or whatever it might be that we can't really be experiencing this pain. And I'm grateful for, for me, it was a female doctor who listened to me right away. And sure enough, I had three huge clots in my lung. (laughs) And it was like, you, you, you have to keep advocating for, for yourself and for your treatment. And I think it's amazing too, that you're researching you know, diet and looking at the more holistic side as well as, as the physical component too. And, you know, I, if any of the listeners want to go back and hear, and I don't know if you heard this episode with um, Dr. James, he came on the podcast 
And he also, he had stage four um, cancer Mm -hmm. and he went through treatment and he ended up surviving. And and he has a lot to say about the mind-body connection and how powerful the mind can be and shifting into resilience and doing things like diet changes and things like that to to help. So um, I'm just so grateful that you came on today. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for being brave enough to share your story. (laughs) Thank you for, you know, I remember when you first commented and I must have done a post of like, how, how is everybody doing? And you're like, well, I am 23 years old and just got (laughs) diagnosed with breast cancer, but I'm okay. And I was like, wow, that is Mm -hmm. profound to just, you know, I think a lot of people would go into denial. A lot of people wouldn't want to share that. They might feel ashamed about that. And so I'm really grateful that, that you're on here sharing your story. Um, Thank I you. Know. I think that that was definitely in a strange way, almost a coping mechanism. Um, oh. I felt that if I, if I could share this in just, even just, you know, casual ways, like you said on Instagram, when you ask people how they're doing, if I can share it, then it became something slightly less scary because when you're, when you feel like you're dealing with something all on your own, it can be terrifying. And so just talking about it openly or commenting here and there made it feel like less of a, I don't want to say less of a big deal, but something that I wasn't building up so much in my head. So yeah, sharing actually helped me cope massively. So that's great. Do you have a platform where people can follow you if they want? I do. My Instagram is called Plants and Healing. Ironically, I came up with that name when I was convinced that I was going to share all of my amazing plant-based creations. <laughs> it's still going to happen um, now that my taste buds are coming back. But um, yes, you can follow me on there. It's an amazing, amazing community that I've found and that I'm forever grateful for. This week's affirmation is my ability to conquer my challenges is limitless. My potential to succeed is infinite. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at Recovering From Reality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com. 